previously on Many Realms. There's a lot of interpretations of the facts. They want an answer and they don't have one yet, so they're getting antsy. I personally don't care what they think and we're just gonna save them anyway. So what is the plan then? I pull out the key to Yulikon's manor. Love to open that sweet spicy door. And with a satisfying 200 years in the making, chunk, the lock slides open. You all step inside Yulikon's manor, the manor of the great wizard who founded Tower Hill, and the door shuts behind you. My name is Eli. I play Captain Olivet Alvera, and it's nutty to be here. Hi, I'm Jillian. I play Anisha, and it's nifty to be here. Hey, I'm Jory. I play Juniper, and it's nasty to be here. Hi, my name is Jordan. I play Mateo, and I couldn't think of one of these things for this episode, so it's good to be here. Hey, guys, I'm Jesse. I'm your DM, uh, GM. Uh... Hey, wait, stop. Get out of here. Get out of my booth. Stop, stop. That was an imposter. I am the real Jesse, and this is Many Realms. You step inside Yulikon's grand foyer, which is full of gleaming oak-colored wood and rich, plush fabrics. There are doors in front of you, one on the left side of the room, one on the right. In the center of the wall that's facing you, there is a bulging kind of extrusion. It looks like a, a central pillar of the building that sticks out a little bit into this room. And wrapped around it is a spiral staircase that leads up. In front of that staircase are two suits of armor, their metal breastplates gleaming in the afternoon light that comes in through the front window. To the right, just past the staircase, there is another hallway that leads further into the manor interior. Where do we want to go? Up the stairs? Those are some suspicious looking pieces of armor, or we can go through the doors, what? I want to find books. I feel like that would be on the ground floor. Yeah, books feel like a ground floor thing. Okay. So we go down the hallway and we do not go up the stairs. You head down the hallway to find another door on the right-hand side of this hallway, a door in front of you at the end of the hallway. The hallway turns left and continues on in a southerly direction. I suggest that we go through the door in front of us. Okay. All right. I'll go first. I take Juniper's arm. You're in front of me. Oh. But I just pull you back and Olivet goes in first, leaving Mateo behind her. This actually really works out in your favor. Rats. Um, <laughs> rats eat you. And then you become a rat girl and you get rat powers. This is what I wanted. Olivet, the room you step into looks like a servant's quarters. There are a couple of small, um, stiff looking beds along the walls. There is a wardrobe standing in the corner, and there is a table that has a stack of fresh linens on it. Okay. This looks pretty empty, um, but I'm still going to ready my axe and open that wardrobe. Sure. Inside the wardrobe, you find two servants' uniforms. They look similar to the gray tunics that uh, Anisha and their apprentices wear. One key difference is that each of these uniforms has a 
gleaming badge pinned to the lapel in the shape of the great candle. I'll take one off and throw it to Anisha. I put it on. Got your present. (laughs) Thanks. Well, then time to leave. Do you want to head through the other door in this room or do you want to head back into the hallway? Oh, there's another door. Yep, in the corner. Then yes, with my axe ready. Olivet, you step into what looks like a kitchen. Obviously accessible by the servants so they can prepare the meals and everything like that. I really wish I was joking. This time, giant rats do attack you. (laughs) (laughs) They just do. Okay, that's fine. You see two giant rats that have like a little den, a nest of of garbage and old scraps of food they have in the kitchen. They lunge towards you as you approach. You knock one of them away with the handle of your axe, but the other one sinks its long, grows by one inch a day fangs into your shoulder for four points of damage. Ah. How giant are we talking? Giant for a rat. They're a small category creature. Like a rat the size of like a, a St. Bernard. Ew. That's disgusting. Uh, That's very big. Yeah. <laughs> but not like the size of a person. <laughs> so it's not like... are really big. And I... one that... A breed that makes sense in your head. We should, we should roll for initiative. So at the top of the order is Juniper, followed by Anisha, then Mateo, Olivet, and the rats. Olivet and the rats is my new punk band. <laughs> uh, Juniper... Guess what she's going to do? I swear to fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She wants to go up and do a stab. Okay. Shoot, 11. 11 does not hit. All right. Anisha. Well, uh, Juniper's run off, so I can't let her die. So I will also run into the room. I guess, like, adjacent to Juniper so that we can fight the same rat. Okay, you you push and mingle and press the flash until you get to where you need to be. Yep. I shoot Juniper a look like, don't do anything stupid. And I take a swing with my quarterstaff. Oh, natural one. You're like, rats can grow to this size? There's so much I don't know about this human world. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm still looking at Juniper, so I don't even like look at the rat when I try and hit it with the quarterstaff. You hit Juniper's hand in a scolding manner. I do. And then I'll try and kick it. Oh, that's a three. Okay, Mateo. I stab this stupid giant rat with a rapier plus one. Natural, <laughs> natural one. Great. Not great. Uh, you're all gonna die. All of that? Oh, I don't want us all to die. Right? Um, which one attacked me? At least was I together. Uh, the copper penny. I'm using a penny and a quarter for these tokens. I'm so sorry. Okay, well, let's attack this copper penny. Um, 17? Yeah, that hits, of course, yeah. Yay. What am I? I'm using my battle axe. Three plus four, seven. Okay, you wipe that rat out. Ah. And it is the lone rat's turn. It's going to bite at uh, Mateo, who most recently attacked it. And misses again. Very bad at being a rat. It's going to try to scamper off, so the three of you get a chance to make a tax of opportunity. <laughs> oh, not one this time. This time it's a 20. Where is my... Jory got a five, Jillian got a two. Oh, I'm on an 18. Okay, is that with your rapier? Yeah, so it's a D8. Seven damage. Okay, that one's gone too. Each of you get 15 experience points. Nice. And you are standing in this 
it's like relatively orderly. Obviously, the rats kind of made a mess of stuff, but like it's not like someone had rioted in here or anything. It's just like rat dirty uh, in this kitchen. Um, I guess look around the kitchen for anything suspicious or magical. Do you want to make a suspicious or magical check? Yeah, is that just perception? Yeah. <laughs> Investigation. 21. Why couldn't you have even gotten that on the Any rat attack? Anything <laughs> else? There is like a knife block in one of the corners on the countertop. And the knives are obviously like rusty. They're like just used, whatever. Um, next to it is a bottle that has a sort of like um, heavy uh, silver kind of oil in it. Mm-hmm. And you identify it as oil of sharpness. Does it sharpen stuff? Yeah, you can apply it to weapons to increase their potency for a short time. Cool. Um, I'm going to give that maybe to Olivette. Thank you, Juniper. So when you use oil of sharpness, it takes one minute to apply. For one hour, you will have uh, plus three your attack rolls and damage rolls for either one weapon that deals piercing or slashing damage or five pieces of ammunition that deal piercing damage. So like not slings or like not hammers. In a vendetta style movie, I take a Sharpie and write Valix on the bottle. What now, brave heroes? There's another door leading out of the kitchen. Yes, there's a door on the opposite side of the kitchen as the uh, servants quarters. You enter a uh, stately dining room. That makes sense off the kitchen, right? It has a central long table in the middle. Um, There were beautiful like hanging drapes in shades of teal and gold running across the room. A lot of them have been used for like rat bedding and like tooth gnawing, regrettably. The table is not set and there is a china cabinet in the corner. There's a door to the east that exists. Oh, and a door to the north um, that you can infer leads back to the hallway you had been in earlier. Um, I want to check out the china cabinet. Okay. The china cabinet has some fine china and like a tea service in it. Is there anything you're looking for? Still anything magic-y or dragon-y or clue-y. I think this would be an investigation check. Just looking at one specific object. Okay. Investigation is like to rummage through stuff. And like What's perception? That's like what you literally see or hear with your eyes and ears. Well, anyways, that's a 20 investigation. Okay, otherwise she's good at it. Um, <laughs> are you going to open the china cabinet? Sure. Okay. Got to investigate. Great. You open the china cabinet. Oh, um, no. I love that, <laughs> that dawning realization. Um, make a dexterity save. Nine. A... Gust of um, icy cold air like flies out of it, and you are dealt four points of cold damage as this like blast of Arctic air whips you in the face. Yep, yep. Inside the china cabinet, you can see that there's something kind of like stuck behind the tea set that has like this big uh, oversized teapot like prominently placed, and you reach behind it and you pull out what looks like a small wand. Cool. It is um, white and has uh, similar silver in- inlays to the rest of the um, the china. Nice. What can I do with a wand? Anisha visibly <laughs> recoils. What are you asking me? I'm not like a wizard, but can I like achieve anything with a wand as a druid? You can try making an arcana check. Yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Four. Okay. You're not sure what it does yet. You're like, I love this pretty stick. I love a pretty stick. Don't point that anywhere near me. Um, that's it. That's it for the china cabinet. Pain and magic. Unless you want to like stash this like expensive silverware and shit in your bag. Nah. 
Okay. <laughs> then yes. Next room. Yes. Yeah. Through the east door. The east door opens into a parlor. There is a um, beautiful, colorful rug in the center of the room. There is a ring of chairs um, around for people to talk. There's little end tables with um, small plates and stuff kind of stored on them. And there is a huge, very tasteful portrait of Yulikon hanging on the far wall. Oh, what a dick. <laughs> who, who puts a picture of themselves in their own house? It's, it's like called in- a selfie, Jillian. <laughs> he invented them. It's like in Tuca and Birdie. It makes him happy because he looks handsome. That probably sells for a lot of money. Mm. All right, well, you take it down. Maybe we sell it, and then we can just contract people to fix the candle. Contract? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll have a lot of money. Right. Were you actually going to go dick around with the painting? No. Okay. You said it's massive, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll put it in my pocket. There's something, like, so pompous about it that I have this urge to just take it off the wall, but I won't. We, we like Helicon, right? We're kind of learning he's, like, maybe a bit of a douche. Right? Yeah, what, like, man is ever good. (laughs) Yeah, that's real. That's that's canonical. What man is ever good? Uh, (laughs) Welcome to many realms. Well, uh, rich people have a lot of chairs. I'm ready to go upstairs. Okay. Nice. All right, um, I'm just going to do a quick reception check of this room if we're not going to like... Sure, is there anything in particular you're looking at? Um, Same, same. Um, Anything that looks magical, anything out of place, um, anything, even anything trappish. Okay. There's a thirst trap on the wall in the painting (laughs) form. A thirst trap? Young Yulikon was not a thirst trap. We don't know. We just don't know. The records aren't complete. That was a 15. Okay, Juniper, you step into this room and start looking around for items of interest. And then... Guys! Uh, Is it the rug? Yeah. I I knew it! Why didn't you say anything? Because Anisha doesn't know that. That's true. You step into this room and suddenly as you place your feet on this rug, it starts to ripple and shake. And then like a Venus flytrap, it closes. Um, it is grappling you. You don't take any damage yet, but you are, you have the grappled condition. Mm-hmm. Your speed is zero. Yeah, you can like make a strength roll to try and break the grapple. Okay. But in this particular grapple where the rug is kind of all over you, um, you are restrained, you are blinded, mm-hmm. and you are also beginning to wait for it, suffocate. <laughs> as this rug completely blocks off your connection to all air and begins to choke the life out of you. Oh my god. Can I try and roll a strength check to get out of this? Let's go into the initiative order. When you're restrained, your attack rolls a disadvantage, you have disadvantage on deck saving throws, and you're also blind, because it's dark in that rug. All right, we're gonna... (laughs) 19. You lucky fool. You immediately scream and what what do you do? How do you get out of this? Um, I probably like throw my arms out as far as I can and as quickly as I can. Okay, you've broken free of the grapple of this rug. You can do anything else? Are we fighting this rug now? It looks very mad. How does explain the Is it like fibers, have a face? The fibers of it are upset with you. Juniper, get away from that thing. I like I do I back off. Okay. Whose turn is it? Are uh, you still in combat? Yeah, this rug is gonna fight you. 
I'm, I'm so serious. It's moving. Why? Why is a rug alive? Who booby traps a rug? Just think of it as a really flat snake. Words of like tactical wisdom. <laughs> okay, I throw a dart at it. Sure. From as far away as possible. Yeah, you can do it from the doorway, I guess, right? It's wide. It's like an easy target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's is. like an 18 or whatever. What are your damage? Six. Nice. You loose a dart into its um, textiled malevolence. Mateo? I guess I'll roll up on this thing. And, you know, I fought a, a live caravan before, so a rug. That's nothing! I attack with my rapier. Nice. That's 17. Like 24, I think. Roll the damage at that. Uh, 11 total. Nice. Okay. Now yeah. it is Olivet's turn. Where's this tacky painting that I hate? On the eastern wall, the far end of the room. Okay. I want to try to get to that painting. Okay. Are you going to try to avoid the rug as much as possible? Yeah. What do you want to do? I want to take it off the wall and try to, like, trigger its eating reflex by putting it, the painting on it. The painting you're, is 100% also I trapped. think you're so right. She's trying to thirst trap the, <laughs> the rug. <laughs> Can you make a dexterity check? No. Because it's like kind of awkward to do as this rug is moving around. It's just a seven. Okay. You take the painting off the wall. The frame is heavier than you thought it would be. It's always the frames, right? And you whirl it around to bring it on top of the rug and it catches on one of the chairs and the painting rips horribly from the corner. um, And it's off on the floor in the room. Uh, now it is the rug's turn. And boy. Is it hungry? Mateo dealt the most damage to it. Whatever. Um, okay. That hits. Um, Whatever. Okay. You are now grappled. Whatever. Oh, man, how are you going to have to fight it if there's a Mateo in there? Juniper, it's your turn. Help me pull this off. Let's do that. Let's try and pull on either end. Okay. I would say if you did that, Mateo would have advantage on his check to escape the grapple on his Okay. Turn. Yeah, so I go and grab one end. Okay. And Anisha grabs the other. Mateo, starting your turn here, you are going to take a bit of damage. Snake eyes. Um, you take five points of bludgeoning damage. Okay. And if you like, you can make a strength check to escape the grapple. Sure. With advantage, because you've got two best friends. Ah, ha, ha. Take this stupid idiot rug. Hiya. Yikes. 13. 13 makes it. Ha, ha. Stupid idiot rug. You stumble free of the rug's um, plush evil. Uh, I learn from my lesson, and I take my bonus action to cunning action dodge. Okay. Cool. Now it is Olivet's turn. You've dropped this <laughs> smashed up painting. That didn't work. I thought I was being clever. Try again. Okay, I'm gonna grab a chair and try again. Just hit it with a chair? Like, put a chair on it, I guess. <laughs> hit it with a chair. Throw she's, a chair on the rug. She's it like a Venus flytrap. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Okay, <laughs> you can make a ranged weapon attack. It's like an improvised weapon. I'd say a chair is probably strength-based. Okay. So you can just roll, without proficiency, a strength-based melee weapon attack to launch a chair at this thing. Okay. Oh, oh my god, that's a six. Olive, that's like, does throwing shit at work? It didn't work the first time, it might work the second time. 
<laughs> the chair smashes against the far wall as you continue your bender through Yulikon's living room. Guys, I don't think that's going to work. Let's stop trying it. Uh, it is what? the rug's turn, and it's going to go after Anisha now. Because everyone else keeps escaping it, and it's mad. Natural one. This yay, rug sucks yay. for a turn. I want to set it on fire. It's going to try to move a little bit. Amazing. Still in range for me to set it on fire. Yeah, it's your turn. Are you going to do that? Yeah. How are you going to do that? Uh, with uh, produce flame. Yeah. When you cast this spell, or as an action on a later turn, you can hurl the flame at a creature within 30 feet of you make a ranged spell attack. Great. Ten. Does not hit. This is the first time you're ever casting produce flame. You're like, guys, I'm pretty sure I know how to produce flame. And you do, and that's really impressive and cool. And then you kind of like stumble as you try to launch it at this room. It's rug. literally right in front of me. And it's huge. <laughs> it it lunges deftly out of the way. <laughs> now it is Anisha's turn. Okay, well, I want to flank with all of it, and I'll try whacking it. Uh, two. I'll try and kick it. No, that's like 11. Okay, gang versus a rug, Mateo. Uh, is there, are, are there torches or sources of fire in the room? No, the, it's um, evenly lit because there's windows and it's afternoon, but you don't see any sources of like fire. Okay, that's fine. I'm just gonna stab this stupid thing. Okay. Take this, get stabbed. 16 on dice, uh, so 23. Uh, Hiya. Yeah, that's a lot, uh, and 11 damage. Okay, um, this rug is starting to look pretty threadbare as Mateo chops off tassels and chunks of beautiful decorative weaving. Um, you can see it's like heavy fiber undercoating. Let's say like as I stab, I'm kind of spinning the rapier. And what you're doing is getting... hooking the knots out and letting yeah. it unravel a little I'm bit. I'm like re-threading it into a deadly scarf <laughs> with my rapier as I go. So you're making it more dangerous. A scarf of strangling would be really bad. No, it's like now it's becoming like a scarf. I'm trying to make it like a scarf that will tie yourself, like tie itself for you and always be the most fashionable for your outfit. Just by using my rapier is pretty cool. Olivet, it's your turn. Uh, well, I'm seeing that this rug is getting pretty fucked and I didn't do any of that. So. No. Uncharacteristically non-damage dealing in this fight you were. So I'll go back to my bread and butter and just... Hey! 25! Roll that damage. Seven. Okay. Finally. This rug rears up to smother you, Olivet, and you stop hurling random <laughs> junk that you find in the room at it, and you're like, oh yeah, I have an axe too. And you draw your axe and you chop it, bisect it completely, and the two halves of this rug fall into shredded ribbons on the floor of the parlor. All I learned from that was to not be creative ever again. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else in this room that's interesting or just a rug? The painting was interesting. <laughs> Didn't take a lot of time with it. Is it still like lookable? Yeah, you can you can try to um, lay it out and sort of like stretch out the canvas and see. It's like a really professionally done portrait of Yulikon, post Zaddy age, so closer to when he died, and similar to like the age that you see in like all the statues, where he's like a very stately, dignified kind of wizard, right? Mm -hmm. He is wearing a robe of deep teal, 
the painting shows him in front of a brick wall that Anisha, you can innately recognize as the wall of the tower, of course. Some of the details were lost a little bit in the shredding, but you get the sense of like how he was posed and everything. On the frame, which is mostly intact because it was just the painting that ripped, you see a little kind of plaque with an inscription that reads, The Light of the Thicket. Is this the same portrait that is like in the Fernwood, for instance? If there are differences, they're minor. Okay, let's move on, I guess. Yeah. You will get also 100 XP for this rug. Nice. Where do you want to head now? So there was a room in the original hallway that we didn't explore, and is there's another door out of the parlor? There's a door that leads back to the foyer. All right, so maybe let's go back into the foyer and try another route. Sure, do you want to go through this um, northern door? Sure. You enter a vast, sweeping, tastefully decorated library. Yay! The Walls are covered floor to ceiling and shelves of books. There are comfortable leather armchairs to curl up and read in. A nice front window looks out over the manicured lawn of Yulikon's Manor. Is all of it still going first? Yeah. As you enter this room, two creatures fly out from the shadows. They are tiny floating spheres that have a gangle of eyes on telescopic little tethers and their eyes take in the whole room and each of you as you enter. They have a single massive eye in the center of their face and sharp fangs. They are quite small, perhaps the size of a plum, and there are two of them. One is closer to a green coloration and one has more red in it. And they're regarding you with curiosity. I want to show them the badge I have. Okay. Anisha, you step forward and flash the badge of the candle that you took from the servants' quarters, and these two creatures blink their eyes at each other rapidly back and forth for a minute, and then they settle back to their perches on top of the shelves. Nice. Good job. I was (laughs) almost going to kill it. I'll grant you, uh, Anisha, 50 XP for solving that problem effectively with (laughs) nonviolence. Amazing. (laughs) Good job. There's also a door at the far end of this room. The two small, we know them as, um, they're gazers. They're like baby beholders. We Um, didn't know that they had babies. Not like literal babies, but they're like tinier versions. They loom over and watch you as you begin to inspect the books. So anyone who's looking for books can make an investigation check in this library. I got a nine. 14. I can't read. Who got the highest? What were you looking for? 14. Are you looking for a book on candle repair? Yeah. Or dragons, please. <laughs> I guess you care more about candle repair. One subject for each person. Yeah. Because <laughs> as we know, the human brain can only hold one idea at a time. <laughs> yeah. Or if not like repair, but like how they made it in the first place. Okay. So your search doesn't turn up a lot, unfortunately. What you do find is, and this is like an incredible artifact. Um, it looks like the original copy of like the Tower Hill Constitution explaining how counselors were to be democratically elected to govern it, how Yulikon would hold like a special role as like advisor for as long as he lived, how um, it describes that Selway would take on the role of town advisor after Yulikon passed and that she would pick an apprentice and so on, which ended up not happening so much. And that um, the special role of Chandler would also be created to have special advisory um, in affairs deemed important by Yulikon or Selway or their successors. This is worth, like, to the any citizen tower, there's, like, an immensely priceless, incredibly interesting historical object that no one's been able to find. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, we'll be revising that later. And what were you looking for? I was looking for stuff on dragons. Stuff on dragons specifically. Rolled a nine. You find a 
poem. It looks very old, like maybe like a couple of centuries as well, around uh, like maybe even predating Yulikon's time. I would want you to roll a wisdom check to read and interpret this poem. Uh, 15. Nice. So you're like, <laughs> poetry? They don't call me Juniper Shakespeare Thistleweed for nothing. And everyone's like, who's Shakespeare? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, is your name Juniper? Uh, <laughs> and you read this poem that describes like travelers through the thicket. It's in middle elvish of old. Like two C's. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's like Chaucerian, right? It's yeah. like you can like piece together the words, but it takes time. And what it describes is a dragon who lived in a massive cave who spent her days trying to find like the biggest ripest drake fruit that she could okay and it's like kind of like a long romantic poem about her like quest and how we all like die unfulfilled and whatever cool then i guess i can't like roll again to try and find (laughs) another book no this represents like 20 minutes of like let's start leaving through Uh, what i will tell you is that all of you realize even you Sweet Mateo. Who can't even read. Who can't even read. Yep. That this library is pretty mundane in its subject matter. Most of it is focused on subjects of like natural history. There's a lot of um, sections on plants, actually. Mm -hmm. There are some sections on economic texts, um, texts on like wealth and nobility, some history texts, but not a lot that screams like, I'm a big magic wizard. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, if the few homes I've been in have taught me anything, it's that people keep their most interesting things like in their bedrooms or personal spaces. So do we want to head upstairs? There's a door here too. Could lead to the bigger library. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll entertain this. This room is a conservatory. Conservatory? A conservatory. There are um, garden beds lining getting Australian, lining all of the walls of this room. Large, open window stretch up to the ceiling and let in the golden afternoon light onto these mostly decayed or in some cases overgrown and knotted garden beds. In the center, there is a small work table with a couple of tools and what looks like a couple of texts. In the corner, you see a large bush that has, um, familiar-looking red berries sprouting from it. In front of it is a thorny, imposing-looking shrub that has spilled out of its bed and and trails along the floor of this room. I'm not doing that voice anymore. Um, can I get to the berries without going through the thorns? If you go around the long way, you can like try to reach it. It seems like a trap, but I also really want those berries. <laughs> it's the most, like child like id like well i want the berries though <laughs> there's like no there are no other options here so what are you gonna do i'm gonna investigate closer to see if i can get through the berries without hurting myself or they make sure there's no like trip wires on my way there or anything besides this thorny plant okay i'm gonna walk right up next to juniper <laughs> give that sweet sweet protection yeah just hold the shield out walk shield first like let me just tell you what's gonna happen now so you approach the bush to see if you can get at the sweet sweet berries Mm -hmm. the thorny bush shoots you with its needles shit i knew it (laughs) we just we've been new yeah it has disadvantage yeah yeah thank your lucky stars that it did as Olivet like just like mindlessly extends the shield and like six or seven like sharp spines embed themselves into the metal all right 
Can I try and um, burn this bush? Yeah. Uh, 18, 19, 20. Fuck yeah. 21. Okay, reduce flame, I think, is a 1d8 fire damage. Sweet. So roll a d8. One total. Yeah. Okay. I, what am I adding to it? Nothing, right? Nothing. You launch some flame at it. You're like, better because you hit this time. You're like, I couldn't hit the rug, but I'm going to hit a small thing. It is a living plant, and it's hard for the fire to catch, so it doesn't deal as much damage. Now it is Janisha's turn. Uh, it's a bit like Thorns. And I'm not really interested in that. So I'm gonna back away and not fight it. Okay. Mateo. I guess I run up on this plant. Okay. Sup. Uh, and I'll try and just, I guess, cut it off with a dagger this time because a rapier doesn't seem suited for this. And a slash. Yeah. Uh, 19 on dice. Uh, I guess that's a sneak attack, is it not? Or all that sneaky yeah, damage. 10 total. All right, you reach forward, Mateo, and um, as this thing rears up its vines to do another launch of needles at Juniper and Olivet, you see its exposed stem, and you just take your dagger and cleanly cut it off, and then it curls up and begins to shrivel as its branches drop to the floor. Everyone gets, uh, not Anisha, (laughs) who decisively didn't participate, another 15 experience. All right, how many um, berries can I grab? Yo, there are... Eight good berries on uh, this bush. Yeah. Damn. Who needs healing? I mean, I could use some, but. <laughs> All right. So um, I take two and I give all of that two. Okay. Can you take them now? I'm going to take mine now so I can get back yeah, to 20. So you restored two points of health and you restored four points of health. We go up the stairs. Everyone's going to go upstairs? Mm-hmm. Who's going first? I will. The four of you, satisfied with your sweep of the first floor of Yulikhan's Manor, prepare to head back to the staircase. You pass through the library and tip your hats to the strange little flying eyeball monsters that watch over Yulikhan's books, and you enter the foyer. You approach the beautiful spiraling staircase that winds its way upward. Olivet, you step forward, and the two suits of armor spring to life, crossing their axes across the entranceway to the stairs, blocking your path. Their empty, eyeless helmets turn and seem to stare at you. Roll for initiative. Rough. Oof. So the initiative order is as follows. We have Olivet going first, Mateo, Anisha, the armor, and Juniper. Olivet, it is your turn. In front of you are two animated suits of armor and they have axes and they don't want you to go up these stairs. I wanna, oh God. Oh God. How do we fight these? They don't even have blood. Um, My usual tactic is to remove all the blood from the opponent, but now. You know what, there's two of them. I got two daggers. I'm gonna try to put one dagger in one of them. I didn't hit, so it's Mateo. Like a rapier seems like perhaps the worst possible weapon to just stab a piece of armor with, so I'm going to shoot it. 11 total on dice. That's rough, that doesn't hit. It is now Anisha's turn. Yup. Quarterstaff is out. All right, now the armor is going to attack Olivet and Mateo, and it's going to have disadvantage on Mateo because of protection. All right. 
the animated armor charges forward as uh, Olivette and Mateo step forward to defend themselves. Olivette deflects a hammering gauntlet blow with her shield, but as she does so, she turns and sees uh, Mateo get smacked in the head for four points of damage from the heavy iron of an armored gauntlet. It's Juniper's turn. All right, I'm gonna use my um, long sword. You have a short sword. Oh, I do have a short sword. Juniper, you attempt to attack with your short sword, but your blow glances harmlessly off this polished, glimmering armor. It is Olivet's turn. Uh, guess I'll try the dagger again. <laughs> oh my lord. 14. That doesn't hit. Oh my god. Mateo, it's your turn. Uh, okay, uh, so there's just like black nothingness in between the armor, I'm assuming? In, you can't see anything inside the armor. I'm assuming there's gaps at the joints, and I don't yeah, see Yeah, like... and you don't see anything. Okay. It's like an invisible person is in the armor. Okay, so that same gap, uh, since it seems like weapons are uh, futile right now, uh, I'm going to take my crowbar and try and pry some of the, the chest armor away, if possible. You're going to attempt to disassemble the animated armor? I guess. More so just like open it up a bit. You should make, I guess, an athletics check, and the armor will attempt to oppose it. Sure. Good. Creative problem solving. Uh, that's 17. Okay, it rolled a 16. So what happens is you um, pop away your crossbow, and you say, I have a crowbar. You all forgot, but I used it to Looney Tunes Olivet in episode two. <laughs> and you, I know for sure it's on your fucking sheet. Are you saying that the crowbar is on my sheet? Because it's on my sheet. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry about that. You pull it out, and you, as uh, Juniper and Olivet distract the armor, you jam it into that sweet, supple seam between shoulder and uh, neck. You use all your weight, and you press down on the crowbar, and with a sort of, like, can-opener kind of sound, the soldered and also magically bound armor starts to peel apart a little bit. By doing that, you have decreased its armor class by one. It is Anisha's turn. <laughs> Jory's like, do you still have the badge? <laughs> um, but they're like very much attacking us. So I don't know if that, that'll work, but we can we can try. Uh, <laughs> so I'll pull out one of the badges and say, stop hurting us. One of the suits of animated armor turns and looks at you, Anisha, and you see it uh, kind of hold its gaze on the little badge that you're holding out but they do not move and they do not lower their weapons. Uh, so they're gonna attack um, Mateo and Juniper. Woo. And they do hit Juniper for seven points of bludgeoning damage. It is Juniper's turn now. Your friends are saying, Juniper, Juniper, stop, Juniper, get away. So you're saying <laughs> I should maybe get away. I'm not saying anything. I'm telling you what you see and hear in my fantasy universe. My instinct is to hit it, but obviously I shouldn't hit it. <laughs> God, she's at war with herself. <laughs> this is Juniper's character growth. You can take other actions like dodge, disengage, dash, help. Give some guidance to someone. Yeah. Let's hey. give some guidance to Mateo. Sure. Whoa. So Mateo, you receive a 1d4 bonus to one ability check of your choice. Ability, cool. not attack. 
Correct. Are you going to move or are you going to end your turn? Uh, maybe I'll run away a little. Okay. You might take an attack of opportunity. Oh, well, I'll go I'll go back to um, all of that. Okay, you will take an attack of opportunity. Come here, little duckling. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't want to. <laughs> Juniper, you take six points of damage from the animated armor. Um, <laughs> I think that brings you down to zero. Yeah. Oh, fuck oh, me. God. <laughs> okay. Olivet, it's your turn. <laughs> Dagger! <laughs> Oh my fucking god. 14. That doesn't hit. I'm gonna action surge because I really want this dagger in this guy. 17? That hits. Finally! Six. You deal six points of damage to the first set of animated armor, uh, managing to plunge and and pull out a bit where Mateo has um, pulled up some of the edge of its breastplate. Yay! Now it's Mateo's turn. Uh, I'm gonna do the same thing to the same one. Except now I have guidance if I want it. So you said uh, it was athletics. Mm-hmm. Opposed. Uh, okay. Uh, well, that's 13, so I will use guidance to bump it up to 15 total. You do not make the check. Ah! You head in with the crowbar leverage, but uh, this time the armor raises its elbow and pauldron and other armor bits and knocks the crowbar away. Wow. Anisha. Anisha remembers they're a monk and wants to do like a cool flip over top of number one to get behind it. Can you do that? Yeah, why not? Can I, I, like, if you want me to spend a key point to do step of the wind. Yeah, that's valid. Okay, spend a key point. Okay. So now Anisha's on the stairs? Yeah. Solid flank. Great. So I get a single attack. Woo! Thank you. Will's 22. That hits. That's five points of damage from a two-handed quarterstaff whack. I think what you do is there's like a sconce on the wall where it kind of bulges out there and you plant your quarterstaff in it for like a fulcrum and then you run up the wall and like fully pivot over it and land on the other side. And then you hit it in the back of the head. Cool. All of that is swooning. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> I ship it. <laughs> now it is the armor's turn. And I guess number two is going to go for Mateo, and number one's going to try to spin around and get Anisha. He rolled a crit. Mateo takes seven points of bludgeoning damage. Anisha takes 12 points of bludgeoning damage. Whoa! I have one HP. I have 13 hit points total at level two. Yeah. Are you not level three yet? No, I have 815 experience points. Okay. Well, this will help if you don't die. Now it is Juniper's turn. Oh, yeah, dead. That's a fail. That's a <laughs> mark one death fail. Christ almighty. Olivet, it's your turn. Oh my god. You see Juniper's gone down, Anisha has run over to the other side and is uh, on the first couple stairs, swiping away at this animated piece of armor. Mateo just took a bad hit, and so did Anisha. Oh my god, I'm panicking! Is, okay, so this armor that's, that's in between me and Anisha, mm-hmm. His back is to me right now. Yeah, and you're flanking. Yeah, so you get advantage. To hit? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Then I guess I'll do that, but these daggers aren't really, like, serving me great, so... You do have other weapons. Use your axe. You absolutely have other weapons. Back to the axe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no! A two and a five. You pull out the axe, and you're like, this is covered in rust. What happened to this axe when you use these daggers for the past two weeks? <laughs> uh, rip. Oh, no. Are you going to do anything else? Like, I can't. Mateo, it's your turn. I'll just take my round to 
stuff some berries down Juniper's throat. Thank you. How many berries? I just grab a handful and only grab one. A handful of one. Well, I just, I mean, I just loosen yeah, my yeah, hand no, I know. So I'm up to two? Mateo rolled a d6 to determine <laughs> which, how many you grabbed. So you're up to two, because you get double healing from good berries. Okay, anything else on your turn? Actually, I can do that as a bonus with my new level three ability, so I will get an attack in. Okay. You know, when the crowbar's in my hands, improvised weapon the crowbar, who cares? Just go for it. Okay. So that's 18. That hits. Ha ha! I don't know how much that, I guess I'll just do a d4. Ha ha! Five. Pretty good. Kerthump. Yeah, you you uh, reach down, fiddle with the pocket at Juniper's belt, and shove a barrier in her mouth, and uh, chide her for being so foolish. Before you wind up like a, like a big hitter baseball star, and and smack the front of the suit of armor. Um, I'm assuming you're still talking to number one, the one you pulled out the piece of. Yeah. Okay. It is Anisha's turn. Yep. I'm gonna try and hit number one, um, and then I'll spend a key point to disengage. Sure. Number one's looking pretty shaky at this point. It's a 14. Doesn't hit, unfortunately. Great, so uh, I spend my second key point, uh, step of the wind again, and I just fucking run up a couple stairs out of line of sight. Just out of line of sight or you go up to the second floor? No, I don't want to be on the second floor alone. Would it follow you? No. Jesse's making uh, faces as he rolls dice, and we're all like, oh no. I feel nervous when he looks pensive. Olivet, um, you take three points of damage as this suit of armor spins back around now that uh, Anisha has left the situation. And because both of you were watching Anisha go, you're a bit surprised as it slams you in the gut with its closed fist. Uh, Juniper, it's your turn. Yeah, I'm going to use Shillelagh and then hit a boy with a staff. Okay. How's your wisdom? Plus one. So that's a 19. So that's great. Roll your damage with Shillelagh. So nine. To number two? Oh, yeah. That's the first hit on number two. And you uh, get a nice crack on the top of the head. Uh, And it looks not upset because it has the tranquil, you know, placid face of an inanimate object, but um, feels mad. And it is Olivet's turn. Olivet doesn't know how to do stuff except for uh, hit. (laughs) So... Let's hit with this battle axe. Oh my god! That's a three. Olivet, what's the ish? What's the prop? Oh my god. Switch to a different d20. Yeah, yeah, this is gonna go to jail for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna do anything else on your turn? Just yell. Okay. Ah! Mateo, it's your turn. Uh, here comes uh, Crowbar, baby. 13. Does not hit. Oh, wait. Okay, I can actually use cunning action to do the same thing with the crowbar because uh, at my new level and taking my, uh, I can't remember, I think it's the thief one, it allows me to use items as part of my cunning action. It's called fast hands. Okay. And if we're kind of, are we taking that as an attack or usage of an item? Usage of an item is definitely separate from an attack. Yes, but I haven't been doing damage when I've been doing this. Oh, you want to do your pry yes. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that counts as use of an item, sure. Fifteen. Uh, you beat it. Ha ha! So the same one? Yes. Okay, you, uh, on on number one, you take your crowbar and on the other shoulder joint start pulling that apart too, and uh, his whole upper half is starting to look pretty unstable, plus he's taken quite a few licks in the past 30 seconds. 
Uh, it is Anisha's turn. You're on the stairs, hiding like a little baby. I'm bleeding profusely. So. <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> right? I just really wanted, like, a moment to catch my breath and, like, to not be in the immediate line of fire. I want to, like, creep down a couple stairs so that I can see number one, and I want to throw a dart. Sure, totally. <laughs> Natural one! Yeah, you head down these steps, creeping quietly, and, and slip, slip on a little on bit of your own, own blood. blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you got it. It is the armor's turn. They both miss. <gasps> Yay! Amazingly, I, and very narrowly. I still have my shillelagh going, so I'm going to do another hit. Sure. 16, 17, yeah. 18, 19. Do it. Roll your damage. Eight. Nice. Uh, great. Do you have anything else on your turn? Maybe just, like, pop another berry. Juniper, you grab a berry and pop it in your mouth and restore it another two points of health. Olivet's turn is now what's happening. I think I just saw Anisha slip on their own blood. You did. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm a, I'm a little nervous, so I'm going to just push it. Like, I'm going to try to knock it prone. Okay. That would also be a contested strength check, I'm fairly sure. Yes. 22. Nice. It absolutely fails and is knocked prone by you, Olivet, as you jam your shield into the space where its face would be and it clatters onto the first couple of steps. Mateo, it's your turn. Olivet is just knocked over the one that you've been working on. Crowbar, baby. Yeah, you would have advantage now because it's prone. Good, I need it. <laughs> A 15. That actually doesn't hit. <laughs> oh, even with the minus two AC, damn. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, well then, uh, let's pry it again while it's on the ground. Take that. Oh, three. Yeah. Anisha, it's your turn. Everyone else is alive, so <laughs> I'm going to run back down. Now that number one's on the ground, I would like to hit it a lot. Okay. You have advantage because you're flanking and also because it's prone. <laughs> it's a 12. That does not hit. Yeah. Uh, and then I run back up the stairs. Now it is the armor's turn. This one's going to spend half its movement to stand back up. Um, and it's going to try to hit Olivet. <laughs> and the other one's going to try to hit Mateo. Disadvantage continues to be this party's saving grace from Olivet's protection mechanic as both of these uh, suits of armor miss their targets. It's Juniper's turn. Um, just gonna go for another 15. Does not hit. Yeah. All right. Couldn't have it all. <laughs> Olivet, it's your turn. Push worked well last time. We're gonna keep pushing. Okay. All right. Yeah, 23. Okay, you, you, it gets up, you push it down again, like that song. <laughs> All of it is bullying the armor. <laughs> Stop hitting yourself. Anything else? Just laughing. Okay, you push it down and laugh. Mateo, it's your turn. Okay, uh, cunning action to disengage. I will step over it because it's prone. I will give up the crowbar idea. Uh, go to the rapier idea, even though that seems kind of the worst possible weapon. But hey, maybe there's like a heart in there and I'm just fishing for it. Um, it is a magical weapon, though. It is, which right. is good. But it's still, you know, a little pin. I will attack it with advantage and therefore a sneak attack. With a weapon I'm proficient in. Uh, <laughs> but not that proficient. Uh, yeah, that's not going to be enough. That's 13. And it's Anisha's turn. I'm on the stairs. My back's against the wall. I'm, like, panting. I just look over at Mateo and go, you okay? 
yeah, I'm fine. Uh, but what what do we do? Do we just run? Yeah, I mean, I'm used to doing that. And that's my turn. Okay, you're not gonna move. Nope. <laughs> okay, just talk about it. Now it's the armor's turn. Juniper, you take four points of damage as the armor turns around and smacks you with the flat of the axe that it carries. Olivet, you take five points of damage as you, uh, as the prone one stands back up and launches itself at you with a renewed fury. I'm back down. That was a 15. Yeah. Okay, you make your <laughs> renewed again first uh, death save. Olivet, it's your turn. Um, I will be using second wind to heal myself up. Sure. Okay, so it's 1d10 plus 2. I'm back to full. Excellent. Mateo? Okay, in a fit of rage, I yeah. go and stab Ugh. it again. Same Ugh. thing. I'm really frustrated right now. And yeah, 24. 14 damage. With your rapier? Yes, it's plus 1. You <laughs> uh, step forward to the one that's standing back up and now lunging at Olivet. Mm-hmm. And you sort of get it in what on like a human would kind of be near the base of the spine. With that, the armor starts to fall apart into individual pieces, which clatter to the floor loudly um, as the magic dispels and the creature is no longer extant. Whew! Cunning action. Disengage. Anisha, it's your turn. Okay. We're gonna go back down. Hit number two. It's only 15. Uh, this one hasn't had its armor class reduced, so that doesn't work, unfortunately. Okay. I punch it. <laughs> 20. The punch, the punching though, the punching works. For six damage. Excellent. It's looking quite, quite shaky. Juniper's uh, smacked it around a lot with her shillelagh, and you've um, punched it in the... You know when you punch them in the back of the knee? It's like, ah, back of my knee. It's one of those. It's going to go for, I guess, Anisha, who just... You don't have to roll. I just go down. <laughs> well, I need to know how, how far into the black you are. Oh, my God. If it doesn't crit, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I don't like this. So nervous. <laughs> it didn't not crit a second time on you. <laughs> so that's eight points of damage to Anisha. Saving throw 20. Hey, you're back up to one HP. Nice. Juniper, a girl made of elastic. Death's always like, come on over here. And she's like, no. <laughs> No thank, no thank you. Can I get a good berry from Juniper and give it to Anisha? Yes. You restored one hit point, Anisha. And that's your turn, Matea. Am I flanking with Juniper? Yes. Okay. I have now seen that the rapier works. Uh, Ooh. Nine. With, with the modifier. Mm-hmm. Is it just the dice? Okay. And then that's the sneak attack. 14 total. You actually do the exact same thing as you did the first one, and you're like, you know what works really well? <laughs> this. And it kind of like clatters again to the ground, and in front of you are just two big piles of uh, armor. You each gain 100 XP. Yay! Yay! That was a pretty big fight, actually. Thank God. I level up. Me too. <laughs> nice. So if you're going to short rest now, we can say that um, combination short rest, like leveling up, you know, you can like get your, your jush. By the way, are you um, short resting like in the foyer? 
I feel like let's not go anywhere else yeah, before we short rest. I'm yeah. gonna like take the armor and just throw it in another room we've been in before. So one hour passes, the sun sets at this point, the manor is dark. Um, it doesn't appear to have any sources of light, so you are probably operating by the light of your styled lantern drake fruit, mm-hmm. um, which shed a comforting and in the dark, maybe especially familiar tealish glow over the uh, the furniture and fixins of Yulakan's manor. Um, are any words exchanged in this hour? I meditate and I don't talk to anybody. Aren't these daggers so useless? <laughs> I really thought Felix was going to give me these like super awesome magical daggers and they like have lightning in between them or whatever. All of it was like, and they have flames on the side and I thought they would <laughs> have lightning between them. What does that mean? You know, like you hit one thing with them and you hit another thing with them and then lightning strikes between them. You thought that's what was going to happen? <laughs> Thought it'd be better than this, because they do nothing. That's fair. These suck. Uh, Uh, Your brother sucks. Let me see those, please. Okay. (laughs) One of these daggers is inscribed with the rune for strength, and the other is inscribed with the rune for friendship. Can we already know that? I feel like I said it. Yeah, Yeah, you did. So sorry, these can be, like, activated? Uh, you know what the runes say. You're not a wizard. Okay. I would like to try and use the strength thing if I have any possible comprehension of that. What would you like to do? Uh, if I can just, like, pick up all of it. You can't, you know. the strength <laughs> bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Holding this, the dagger marked strength does not allow you to pick up all of it. Kid, okay. what are you doing? <laughs> well, I haven't done that yet, because it doesn't do anything. Uh, but you I, tried to do it. That's how you figured, that's how you wanted to test and see if it worked. Sure. You okay. did canonically try to pick up. Okay, sure. Then I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. They say something about strength and friendship. Here you go. Okay, I want to touch them together. Okay. They go clink. I'm getting very frustrated and I don't like riddles. (laughs) I think Felix probably knew that. Olivet, you have to like, if you go like this and you raise your arms over your head and you shout, strength, friendship, they activate. That's what my brother taught me when I was younger. Okay, oh, oh, see, I know he's pulling my fucking leg, but I'll do Uh, it. You uh, hold the hilts of each daggers, extend them kind of He-Man style, and shout, Strength! Friendship! Nothing happens. Strength and friendship! Nah. Friendship and strength! Nada. Anisha shushes you. (laughs) You conclude your short rest, and an hour has passed. I'm going to march up the stairs angrily. I'm running after you. Um, so you get to the top of the stairs and you are on a landing. Uh, it looks pretty nondescript. There's like, I don't know, a side table with a nice vase. And there are doorways to the north and the south. I want to go south for no reason. You step into a luxuriously furnished grand bedroom. A picture window looks out on the sort of moonlit rooftops of Tower Hill and the thicket beyond. Plush divans and squashy armchairs sit loosely arranged around a long coffee table. At the other end of the room, a standing screen separates an area with a large four-poster bed. On the curving interior wall hangs, you guessed it, a massive portrait of Yulikon that reaches almost to the floor. Who wants to, like, fall asleep to a massive portrait of their own face? Or is this, like, a guest bedroom where he's just like, remember who I am? (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget whose house you're in. I have one of those, too. (laughs) I want to take the portrait off the wall again. Okay. Um, when you grab at the edges of it, it doesn't move. Ooh, it stuck. Guys, it doesn't move. It doesn't move. It doesn't move. Why not? I, I don't know. Why don't you try it? Well, how is it attached to the wall? I'm not a 
painter maker. Well, All I know is look at <laughs> look at where the frame touches the wall. <laughs> How do you think paintings are made? All of us From doesn't painters. know. <laughs> the frame is actually curved. It was clearly custom built specifically for this curving interior wall, and it's flush against the wall behind, and you can't see any method of attachment. Can I press against like the canvas in the middle to see if there's give? Yeah, there's like clearly like a backing to the frame. The wall is like concave and it's like in it? It's no. it's like a round room. It's like oh. a So how like the spiral staircase goes up, this is like the piece of the wall it goes around. Got it. Um, I want Anisha to tell us what to do because they're definitely smarter than I am. Intelligence six. They often tell people what to do. <laughs> oh, just kidding. It's nine. It's not that bad. Reading it upside down. Yeah. Intelligence nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, bedrooms. Elsie worked in, in her bedroom, but does it look like you look on worked in his bedroom? The, the sort of like couch area is clearly just sort of like sitting and entertaining people. There's like the bed area and then there is a sort of doorway leading kind of further in. Mm-hmm. Is there a bedside table or anything? Uh, there is a little bedside table. Can I take a look at that? Yeah, there's a small uh, glass bottle right on the on the bed table with a beautiful stopper that's carved glass. All right. Does it look like it's magical? No. Is there a label on it? Yes. What does the label say? Rose water. Great. Like Mario Badescu? Yeah, you come to understand that Yulikon also had a great skin <laughs> regimen, and you feel like echoes, and we, we put really good music under that part. All right. I, I pocket that, I guess. Sure. I suppose it wouldn't hurt to look around the room, but it doesn't look like Yulikon was really working in here, so probably what we're looking for is somewhere else. I'm fixating on this. On what? This painting. Oh, okay. You come to appreciate art, and you realize that this is an art. <laughs> <laughs> can I force it off the wall? You can make a strength check. Nope. Doesn't budge. Can I rip it? Like, cut the canvas? Yeah. Okay, you take your dagger and just from some arbitrary point on the canvas. Yeah, like from like corner to corner. You reach up and from corner to corner, you plunge your dagger in and um, it's it's pretty like aged and tough. It doesn't like cut smoothly and you have to work and, and pull the dagger down across and it's not a nice even cut, it's jagged. And where the canvas puckers and curls away the little uh, slit that's formed, you peek in and you can see that behind the canvas on the wall, instead of the sort of white plaster that most of the walls are, are finished with in Yulikon's Manor, there's a deep walnut wood. I thought this would have been a secret staircase. Can I rip off the rest of the painting now that I've cut it? <laughs> yeah. I'll put Juniper on my shoulder so she can get higher. You yeah. desecrate this painting and uh, cut all the bits of it off. It was probably worth a lot of money. And behind it is like a, a sort of blank um, curving panel of walnut wood that is um, exactly shaped to the painting size that's kind of separate from the plaster. Like, it does look like a door, but there's no handle, knob, anything like that. It's just a smooth plane. So if I push on it, like, forwards, it doesn't budge? There's nothing? No. No hinges. Like, you were all like, is it a door? Is it a door? And I'm not saying it's, like, not a door. Like, you look at it and you're like, that's the size and shape of a door. But the means of entry are not known to you. Uh, is there, like, a desk? Like there something? must be a spell. There's, so there's, like I said, as far as furniture goes, there's that kind of sitting area. There's the bedside table where there is a bottle of rose water. Um, and there's, like, a, there's a kind of a further in that no one's been to yet. I mm-hmm. throw the rose water at it. Oh, it smells great. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. All right, next room. 
Do you want to go past into the sort of interior room in the bedroom? I think so. So uh, this inner room is sort of his uh, giant walk-in closet. Olivet hates this guy. <laughs> There's a big rack of um, beautiful embroidered robes. There's a large cabinet at the far end of the room, and there's a little kind of sectioned off area that appears to be his uh, toilet. Um, I perception check looking for anything magical or like potiony. Investigation. Nine. Guess what? It's really easy. <laughs> uh, you open the cabinet, which isn't locked, and it is full of shit. Nice. There are three potions of greater healing. There is one potion labeled heroism, and there is a scroll that, after a moment's examination, Juniper, you learn to be a scroll of healing word. I'm sorry, this guy had a potion in his closet that was distinctly labeled heroism. That's the name of a spell. I take a greater healing, I give a greater healing to Anisha. Does anybody want the third one? Like you're consuming them now, or you're distributing them? Um, I think, I think I ought to consume like how how much greater healing, healing is- does a lot for the record uh greater healing does 4d4 plus 4 okay restoration. I'll, I'll distribute so i give one to anisha maybe i have one more who wants honestly, it honestly take two take two i'll take two <laughs> okay and i also have the scroll of healing word so we have th- four things where i can heal folks what is heroism heroism actually gives you additional hit points nice like temporary hit points cool yeah this seems to be maybe Yulikon's like uh if shit gets real shelf. Um, anything else in this area? Let's keep moving. Okay, where are you headed now? Um, I guess go back into the landing and go north. Yeah. Okay, you return to the landing and head through the northern door and you find yourself in a um, magnificent study. Uh, there are no bookshelves here, but there are lots of comfy chairs, um, some long tables for working, and there is a crackling fire, cheery, in the fireplace. For such a secretive man, he has an awful lot of goddamn chairs. <laughs> Sorry, the fire's on. Mm-hmm. Switched on. Why is there a fire? What, am I a fucking explainer guy? I think yes, you are. <laughs> I check to see if the fire's magical. Can you roll a dexterity save? Shit, oh, that's gosh. a four. <laughs> Maybe you should have popped that potion. Juniper, you approach the fireplace because you are concerned that there's like a strongly burning, like well-lit fire in this abandoned manor. And the reason that is happening is apparent to you as you approach because the coals and the embers and the logs in the fire start to shift and turn a little bit. And from within the sort of depths of the pile of kindling, you can see two twin pinpricks of what look like red hot embers. And then you realize that they don't look like embers, they look like eyes as a fire snake lunges out at you and attacks. I really wish I didn't spend that rose water. You take seven points of damage. Okay, I'm still alive, I'm still kicking. Yeah, three of those are fire damage, if that matters to you. Do you want to keep seeing initiative for now? Olivet, it's your turn. Olivet's not good with fire. <laughs> I guess I'll try to cleave it in half. With your axe? Yeah. 24? Absolutely, that hits. Yay. Plus four, 10. You hack at it with your axe and you do manage to carve a large chunk of it off, but when you do, the flames that uh, cover its entire serpentine body lick up the head of the axe and the handle and scorch your fingers. Oh, shit. You take three points of fire damage. Oh, fuck this shit. That's fair. That's really fair. Mateo. <laughs> uh, okay, after seeing that, I'll just 
shoot it with a crossbow and avoid that whole uh, debacle. Uh, good call. That is 22. That hits? Okay. Wow. Here's the good rolls. Here's the good rolls. I found all the good rolls, you guys. Yeah, They're right here trying. in this part of the podcast. Okay. Uh, and that's 10 also. Okay. Anisha, it's your turn. I'm not getting close to that thing. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Dart? Will throw? Hey, that's like a 19. That hits? Hey! Four damage. All right, uh, Anisha, you hurl a dart right at the top of the thing's head, and um, with like a hiss, like a cloud of steam, uh, like you've just dumped a fresh batch of tofu onto your stir fry in the in the wok. The thing goes dark, and billowing clouds of smoke uh, pile up from it as it is extinguished forever. Nice. The room is now lit only by the light of your drake fruit. You all get 50 XP. I'm gonna take a heal. So that's 4d4 plus four. What else do you want to do in this room? Yeah, I want to check out those work tables. There's a note on the table. What does it say? As I am getting on in my years, I grow concerned over what shall become of my legacy. I have lived long enough to know that statues and portraits can fade. Towers will topple. Incessant, conniving time seeks only to rob us of the achievements of our lifetimes. More than any structure or gift, what remains in people's hearts is their memories. I have spent my years traveling the thicket, establishing safety and prosperity in each community I visited, endearing myself to the hard-working peoples of this land. It was my hope that after my time has come, others would follow in my work. To be a link in a chain of service, protection, and leadership is the most noble responsibility one might be granted in their mortal days. I had believed that my thoughts on this subject had been rendered clear and plain to any who have listened. Yet most keenly, I fear that I have erred in choosing an apprentice who can't understand my teachings. When Selway first came under my instruction, she was obedient, prudent, and practical. Now I find her quarrelsome and cold. Instead of seeking to learn from my efforts, she stubbornly clings to her sentimental attitude and uneducated perspective on the costs of magical innovation. I have asked Selway to continue my work in earnest when I am gone, to maintain a presence, a face, a name and a smile for others to rely upon and cherish in their darkest moments. She has spoken her agreement to me, but the words land falsely on my ear. Might she betray me the very hour that my life has left my eyes and reduce my name to dust through inaction? Will my memory linger only in beautiful, useless portraiture and the blunted recollections of village elders? If not now, in a century, in two? Death may be an inescapable price to pay for the sweetness of being, but I could not abide to be forgotten. Thanks for listening to this episode of Many Realms. This is another installment of our Tallow D&D 5e arc. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Um, like and comment on our posts, share with your friends, and spread the word so that everyone can join you in the Many Realms.